0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniella.
1: and I'm Lori. and today we are sitting down to talk with our dear friend Blake from Posh Boss. Blake.
0: Everybody loves Blake. Feels like everybody loves Raymond, but it's everybody loves Blake. Exactly. <laughs> we felt it. Was, <laughs> we felt it was time to share Blake with our listeners. He has some new business ventures, and we are so excited to hear what he's up to these days.
1: All right, friends, everybody get cozy, pull up a chair, and join us at the table. It's like our new little mantra, and I love it. No, so we much. love it. Our new little tagline. Perfect. I love it. Joy, I so it's love
2: it. so cute.
1: Yeah, well, welcome, Blake. Welcome to Thrifters Room. <sighs> We're so happy to have you.
2: Thank you so much. I wish, you know, in a perfect world that we could be doing this in person. <laughs> I
0: know.
1: I know. That, that will that happen one great. day. One day. It will. Yes, one day soon, for those of you who may not know, Blake is originally from New York and upstate New York, correct? That is correct. Yeah, and now he resides in Los Angeles, California. So, Blake, why don't you introduce yourself and tell our guest a little bit about who you are and what you do?
2: Yeah, so you know, get ready for the the journey of story real quick. Uh, <laughs> like you said, pull up a chair.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: As Lori had just said, um, I'm originally from New York and I um, grew up in a town upstate. And, you know, did all my college things, got my degree and everything, but I knew from the age of 14 I needed to live in New York City, so I did that right after college. I got a job working at the Weather Channel, which is something I don't actually talk about a lot, but that was that my lady. first ever job. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I was not a weatherman. Um, <laughs> I was working in advertising sales and you know that was a really cool experience i worked on 42nd and 3rd before the offices moved and it was you know i was in manhattan doing the thing and uh then i changed it up i went to buying at an advertising agency still within tv which was still a very cool experience and let me just tell you guys the perks that came along with these jobs was like mm-hmm. oh my gosh like it's the things you just maybe hear about, but like, think, oh, I don't know if I'm ever going to have that.
1: All right, well, even can no, no, no. Us because we want to hear what the perks were. Yeah, Oh, I mean,
2: yes, I had a that worked. Okay, in, so- I, go
0: ahead, go ahead, go ahead.
2: Oh, yeah, so, um, so there, it's different perks. When you are the network, when you're selling airtime on your network, the perks are a little different because you're not schmoozing with other networks because you are trying to sell yours. Um, So the the perks there were just like lunches with buyers from advertising agencies to try to pitch shows or, you know, we want your business, here's a little steak, you know, hope you have a great day. But when I went to the buying side at an advertising agency, we now represented all these clients who wanted airtime on all sorts of networks. So we would get schmoozed, not only by like individual teams, but also by um, the networks themselves. But for people who don't work in tv or have no idea how the tv world works in television there are these major events called upfronts, and mm-hmm. it's a time it's kind of like a monthly time of year when um, networks pitch all the new shows that are returning new pilots new you know discussions um, maybe there's a program that you know a network is working on, but they don't. They don't have a direction, but they might have a celebrity attached to it. They'll kind of tease it to us. But um, one of the major events and perks is that they have these massive, expensive parties where the talent of these shows comes and we get to mingle and schmooze with these people so they present all these tv shows and then we get to like mingle with celebrities so for example i have met matt bomer if you are a fan of white collar i have met nini Bethany, um luann if you're a housewives fan who uh, Vicky. Housewives. What are you, <laughs> I what you were talking
0: about? Yeah. <laughs> nini yeah. leaks like, she's the best
2: yeah say that again
0: i said nini leaks she's the best
2: she's so and at them at that time she had a cute little like um what I call like a kitty cat kind of cut it was like a short blonde hair mm-hmm. moment very cute uh who else who else there was honestly uh Jamie Lee Curtis wow like yeah wow. you know <laughs> um <laughs> I'm trying to think of the Rolodex of people that I have met because so honestly would, like, not at at parties like, and
1: have drinks and hors d'oeuvres and just kind of catch up and talk about their show
2: and whatnot? Yeah. Or like, oh, I'm a huge fan. Like, you try to keep it professional. Ultimately, we're all professional, but it is, you know, they're being paid to be there, so they have to, you know, entertain us. Like, um, what's, what's a really good party? So the Bravo party was really good. That's where we got to meet all the Bravo celebrities, which I will say, they are not necessarily celebs,
1: per right. se.
2: They're just pretty famous. Right. So they were much more like it within reach to like mingle with mm-hmm. but when we went to the e party um the kardashians some of them did show up chloe kim chris and mm-hmm. as you can imagine that was a mob so like i was close like two arm's lengths was as close as i was but like i could never get closer because it was just it became a madhouse and they couldn't ever stay long at these parties because it was just you know, they're a really famous name. You know, they're very famous. What year
1: was this Blake and how old were you? Were you right out of college?
2: Yeah. So this was all happening. Um, I graduated college in 2011. So between that, I started in the summer. So between 2011 and 2015, that was my experience. Um, And it would happen every year and it was always fun. I had never had steak. My family's you know does not do red meat so i did not have steak until my first business lunch which let me tell you like business lunches in new york city they're so expensive and i just i mean i knew you know things were costly but i was like wait 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 six of us from our team and four of them from that team we're gonna go get steaks for lunch at one in the afternoon on a tuesday (laughs) like oh my god i picked the right job in a few (laughs) bottles of really nice wine (laughs) Yes, there was always alcohol. That right. industry is very favorable to alcohol. I'm not a big drinker, but um,
0: it sounds that sounds fascinating. Like the whole buying advertisement space. I had a friend who did it for a little bit for a very small company that's fairly local to us, um, and she would tell. I mean, she'd go to these different events, but there was never celebrities in the way that you're talking. You know, it's just fascinating. yeah, yeah.
2: Well, so there's there's lots of like different avenues for advertising that I just people don't realize like for tv I was in national tv buying so like scandals Grey's Anatomy like the big big shows where there's a lot of money yeah um but but there is smaller advertising agencies that handle um what we call more direct so it's stuff that you see in your local neighborhoods right in between the big national commercials that so like you might see a commercial for um I don't know Daniela and Lori's spa but I wouldn't see it where I live can you we know, open one? Because of <laughs> branch out. Franchise. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but um, yeah, it was it was really fun. There were really cool um perks. And at some point I realized advertising is very um money and Excel and it's a lot of numbers and the perks are great, but it did not outweigh the dis- this distaste I had for the like actual job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like it was just it was a lot of math and although i can do it it was just i was miserable you're sitting behind a desk and just plugging away in excel playing with these ridiculous numbers that are seemingly fake like it's all just extrapolating over really nothing it's so silly so i was just like i need a change so uh january 29th of 2016 i moved to los angeles from new york with no job I knew one person, and you know, I had a, a, a nice chunk of change from a bonus I had saved, and you know, I, I took the flight. One way, which is, you know, as Miley says, hopped up the plane at LAX with a dream and a card again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> good reference. Good reference. Um, <laughs> what was it about Los Angeles that drew you to the West Coast? Was it the potential to work in the industry again or the the weather or what was it? So I had taken a little spring break
2: trip my senior year of high school to San Clemente, California um, to Where's visit that? a family friend. Who, uh, it's south of it's like on the way to San Diego okay it's a beach community so like on along the coast okay um and it's very beautiful and at the time um there was a show on MTV Life with Ryan Ryan Shuckler
0: oh yeah, yeah yeah
2: yeah so he lived and for reference I'm 31 everyone um <laughs> he lived uh in San Clemente San Clemente at the time and there was another show Joe Millionaire
1: Mm-hmm. reality
2: show it's like when reality tv was starting to be a thing simple life ages yes. um and I was like oh my gosh I'm trying to be them I saw Joe Joe Millionaire um where I was staying with my friends so that was cool and I was like I'm I love it here and I was still in high school so I was like can I do this and I researched colleges and then I found out about out-of-state tuition costs and I was like okay that's not gonna happen yeah. but then I took a vacation while i was still working in advertising to my friends um here in la and i was like oh wait a minute wait a minute i the bug did not go away i think i i think i'm gonna move here so the vacation ended and the day i got back from that little trip i texted my friend i said can i come back next month i think i'm gonna move here oh wow and i'll use that as my research so i did and i was like okay i'm saving the next bonus i get one year from now and i'm gonna move to la in a year And
1: that's what I did. Like, that's impressive, hon. I really love that story. Wow.
0: I feel like a lot of people. I don't think I've told that publicly. Sorry. (laughs) I was just going to say, I feel like a lot of people that moved to LA always have that story. Like, I went, I knew I wanted to be there, and I just, like, no job. I just went out there and I made it happen, kind of thing. I feel like so many people I know that moved to LA have that same story.
1: There is such a great energy in Los Angeles. I lived in San Francisco for almost three years, and we did, um, I had a friend from college who lived in Los Angeles and we did Thanksgiving in LA. And I remember that San Francisco is like a different world compared to Los Angeles. And when we went back to San Francisco, I really missed LA. There's definitely a pull there. There is something about that. And there's always that little glimmer of hope. Like I wonder if I could make it here. I wonder if there's something in the entertainment industry, at least for me that always kind of appealed to me.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think to your point, Lori, I think part of the the magnetic energy that is here comes from the weather. Like I know it might not, it might people might not like think that initially, but like it is a place where I over time grew numb to the question. Oh, is it nice there with the weather? Like I laughed because it is literally nice. I mm-hmm. would say. 300 days of the 365. Like it is not a joke. It is real. It exists. Is it hundred degrees every day? No. In the summer, can it be 115? Absolutely. And thank God for air conditioning. Okay.
1: <laughs> like, I have a question for you regarding just um, because you're an East coast guy. I felt like when I was in San Francisco, you know, the weather was beautiful, but you know, San Francisco is in LA, you had like the fog and you layered and it got warm as the day went on. But I felt that yeah. because there was a very mild change in the weather yep. all year, I felt like the months blended, number one. And I really yep. missed the seasons. But I but I I don't know. Like I felt like there was no beginning and end to things. And I I had a hard time. Like I think it's just so definite in the Northeast, where we have the force. Yeah. Like right now we are in winter it's cold. Like we have embraced, right. we're onto that. And I I also think it makes us a little rough around the edges here. Cause everybody was so yeah. in San Francisco, but I wasn't really sure that I trusted anybody because. Because you're from the East coast. <laughs> well, I guess. And I'm like, well, you know, everybody was nice, but then I didn't really feel like I was a part of anybody's inner circle. I was a teacher out there and I got my master's out there and I had some really close friends, but I, I found it hard to just feel like I, belonged there because I was, I don't know, because I was from the East coast, but I, I just wonder with the change of seasons and it's being nice all the time. I actually struggled a little bit with that.
2: Yeah. I will say my first Thanksgiving slash Christmas, cause I came right at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. the months definitely did blend because as you mentioned, coming from the East coast, there is literal physical changes that happen around you with the temperature with the leaves changing with the leaves falling with the snow that mm-hmm. identify the second you wake up or step out the door and look out the window like oh my gosh it's cold like it is winter is but just- in LA mm-hmm. I need direct I need decorations to identify that it is December you know
1: <laughs> no right I know exactly what you mean it's so true it's so true people, I don't know if t- I could do it t-
2: Oh, it's, it's so much definitely, fun. It's definitely... You could, you could do it, Daniela. I mean, you could do it. You could make it work. I mean, assuming you love nice weather all I hate the time. It. But, you know, a lot of people that I've met don't live in LA full-time. That's their winter place. Like, mm-hmm. I just met someone who... Um, he said, oh yeah, I live in Canada, but I live winters in LA. And I was like, well, one, rich, two, are you single? And yeah, three, exactly. I love that for you. Are you
0: single? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's so true. I actually do know someone who's in the, um, the powerlifting community because I am from the powerlifting community as well. And she lives in Vancouver. Um But yeah. she's up there actually in the winter time because she loves to ski and snowboard. So she is in Vancouver during during the winter months, and then she's in LA yeah. or Texas. She bounces between both of her gyms, Um and she's in those places. But I've heard that before too. Canadians going to LA or Texas.
1: It kind of makes sense. I mean, the Northeasterners we all migrate to Florida, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. That's yeah. Where and, a lot of New Yorkers and think- Bostonians go in the summer, in the winter.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. I I think too. Uh, with Canada in particular, there's
2: a lot of filming that happens in LA because it's cheaper to do that there. So the right. actors have a place in LA to come for, you know, when they have to do press about the movies and things.
1: Yeah, that right. makes sense. That makes we sense. We were just watching um, Christmas movies that made us. It's a, it's a new series oh. on Netflix and they filmed yeah. Elf in Canada because it so was- So did they really? Yeah, they filmed the North Pole um, in an ice hockey rink because they needed like this wide angle that kind of showed depth because they were, they modeled the whole um, movie after Rudolph. I can't remember the name of the directors um, who did the stop, but um, they needed a really specific because they did a lot of like trick filming with depth perception, you Mm -hmm. know, like Buddy the Elf would be 10 feet back, but it looks like he was sitting right next to you. It was just kind of done in layers, but it it was Yeah, so they they toggled between they did as much as they could in New York City, and then they went to Canada to film the rest.
0: That's fascinating. The whole movie industry is fascinating.
1: It, it really, is. it really is. Also, sidebar: I
2: heard that um, McDonald's next collab meal. Like you know how they did the Travis Scott and um, yes. the other rapper. They did another rapper like meal collab. Mm-hmm. I heard. That Buddy the Elf is the next one to come out. Oh my god,
0: <laughs> that's going to be this amazing.
2: <laughs> is, this is I'm I'm just you know for the lawyers that are present. I am alleging that this is happening. <laughs> um,
1: this is not a fact, but I, this is you what I heard. Inside okay. scoop, Blake. I want to know where you get your.
0: I mean, he's in album. LA. I'm sure that's
1: yeah, true.
2: Oh my like, gosh! I mean, I do have. So here's the thing about me. I've always been the person who I'm sure. I mean, I know I I know Lori pretty well. Daniela, I know we're still. Uh, kind of like early on our friendship journey Mm -hmm. but I think for the most part people can gather that I'm a friendly person so I've always had like a a wide network of different types of people in my life so I think that always kind of has me in all sorts of industries all sorts of jobs and like miscellaneous knowledge of the most random stuff.
1: (laughs) I I love to have like different. I always say I have friends who I shop with, I have friends who I swear with, I have friends who I call to pray for me. Like I have, yeah. you know, I just like you need yeah. friends and all different. I have my friends that are a little shady, you know, and I like them too, but you got to have friends all over. <laughs> yeah. But Small like, doses I that about you, <laughs> So you're
0: in LA now, Blake. You've moved there and what what were your next steps?
2: My next step, so I initially went out thinking, okay, and keep in mind, I did not come from privilege. Like I've been working since I was 14. I, I've always had to have a stable job. And since when I got my first job, the, the economy was still in a weird place in 2011. Like it was still recession-y times. Like it was kind of coming out of that. But people who graduated before me still did not have jobs and I, I had gotten one. So I was like, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. But then over the, over the course of that next four or five years, I was like, although I am grateful, this is, this is not making me happy. And I have the choice to like, look, look towards something that will make me a little bit happier. Mm -hmm. So when I moved to LA, I was like, let me at least set up interviews within my current industry. Just maybe, you know, I go and I have an exceptional connection and that ends up being a great job. I interviewed at Ted's Channel. And that was the moment that I realized, I do not want to do this. Why would I move all the way across the country to like reset my career and do the same thing? No. So um, thank, thank goodness I had that bonus. I floated for a little bit and just kind of like lived life and tried to figure some things out and did Postmates for a little bit, which I've got to tell you, that was probably the best thing I did when I moved to LA. Because in one to two months, and I'm very observant and very visual, I learned every single street in LA. It's not an exaggeration. Like, I, it probably takes people years to learn how to get places in LA without Google Maps. I learned that so fast from Postmates. And that, like, really is helpful for when you do get a job and you need to navigate the traffic. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Interesting.
2: Um, So, yeah. But uh, eventually, I ended up looking for jobs everywhere. I was trying to be a personal assistant and, um, that's, so that's a job that here, like where I'm from rather, it's, uh, that's like not a real job. Like people do not exist like that in my hometown to be able to like afford a personal assistant. Right. So I was like, how am I, how do I even get, how do I put that on a resume? Like, how do I even lie about that on the resume? Right.
0: So I called a couple
2: agencies and no one took my call except one person did and said, listen, a lot of people post on Craigslist go just do some temp jobs, do some temp work, build the resume, get something that said you did personal assistant work because people, you're going to be in someone's home. They need to trust that. So I was like, okay. So um, I did. I worked for an interior designer um, part-time for a hot second. And um, that kind of led to uh, finding another part-time personal assistant job working for someone who was like, Honestly, she was just a housewife, but mm-hmm. needed a lot of help because she was moving into a home. And then somehow the universe was like, you need to do both of these things for one person. And then I found my boss, who I'm forever grateful for, uh, who I ended up working for for two years. Um, she was an interior job. designer.
1: The, the job that you, what? Most- I'm sorry, Blake, the one that you most recently had, is that the job you're at now that you're talking about? Uh, no. Okay, sorry.
2: No. So no, that's okay. So my time in LA has been about five years, mm. and um, the first the first two two and a half years was initially just getting that experience, and then finding uh, my person who was an interior designer. She was a very lovely, caring person, and I learned a lot from that experience and like working in someone's home, very gorgeous home, um, the the home this is something that people don't realize people's homes make them money in LA. It can happen anywhere. uh, But it happens a lot in LA because it's always good weather. Like Mm -hmm. people filming movies will come to your property and scout it and say, okay, we're going to film a movie. We need it for one day or 30 days. Here's the rate. You tell them the rate and you negotiate and your house can make you money. So um, yeah, it's a very cool. We did uh, with my time there, Uh, We did a, not Estee Lauder, Erin Lauder uh, commercial for Mm -hmm. a fragrance at the time, which is the daughter of Estee. Yes. And, um, oh my gosh, we did a couple other things, a couple commercials, and uh, The House Across the Street was where they filmed, oh my gosh, the movie with Amy Adams and Christian Bale, Um, the vice president one, Al Gore,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: or I think it's called Gore, I can't remember, Um, But that was, you know, across the street from that. And it was a very cool experience. And I've I've lived and done things I never would have thought I could have. I didn't even know existed, right? Um, That sounds all great, but there was a little blip um, before I was fully committed to her. I had gotten a better offer somewhere, which this is my lesson learned, okay? Bigger, better syndrome. I had received an offer to move into someone's mansion and it was 11,000 square feet. I was paid almost $100,000. And I'm telling you all this to like make it sound really fancy because at the end of the day, it was not worth it. Um, and I had everything taken care of for me. I didn't have to buy food. I got paid. I didn't have to pay for an apartment. I got a car given to me put my existing car in storage. Uh, and then it um, didn't work out. I'm not going to elaborate too much because I'm writing a book about it. But oh, I it, love
0: that you're writing a book about it.
2: It, it just was. An absurd, like the things that I did not know existed for the 1%. It wasn't even the 1% percenter; it was the 0.25% right. kind of people that like it, the amount of money I would spend as the assistant on a daily basis was like sometimes $20,000 every day.
1: On what Blake?
2: Uh, sheets. <laughs> um, food, when you have a household and you need to go to Whole Foods, you don't get regular meat. You go to a butcher and get meat. You right. know everything's got to be a different quality. There's like a whole level. Um, uh, Christmas time, Christmas time. Oh, we need little favors for the dinner table. Okay, well go get me twenty six baccarat crystal butterflies. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, twenty six b- what butterflies? <laughs> and then you learn oh that's a crystal company, like a very fine crystal company. And because we need them in a certain amount of time, you have to find the place in LA to get them. And it's like a whole thing.
1: I think I would love. Um, <laughs> Lori. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> You're gonna have to wait for the book, Lori. Okay. <laughs> it is it is not glamorous. I promise. I, I can't. I, you know, I've signed I've signed so many NDAs. I technically cannot do all the things, but you know I'm gonna yeah, work around right. that and right. put my put my put my story out there in some capacity, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, and um, all that to say, I ended up having a short time at that at that place and going back to my my boss for the two two and a half year period, um, and then from there. The person who did uh, her PR was looking for someone to kind of zhuzh up the culture at her company, at her PR firm. And I don't want to go into super pers- specific for you know a little bit of privacy, but um, that working for my designer boss ended up transitioning into working for the most previous boss that I had for a PR firm. And wow, the boss that I had was such a savvy business person. And the thing that I respected about her so much was if she did not have a strength, she outsourced mm. to a person that could excel mm-hmm. in that in that role. And I think people get stuck on their pride. And she was not one of those people. She's like, oh, no, I can't do that. Or I, I'm not good at that. We need someone who's good at that. Let's, let's find them. Um, and I think it takes a bold person to admit that, okay, one, I can't do it. Two, we're going to find someone else to do it. And then finding the right person to fit that is also something. So, you know, I've learned it's been, it's been a journey.
0: Yeah. That's a good leader too. I mean, a leader is someone who can stand back and say, okay, I'm good at this aspect of it, but I'm not so good on this. So who can we get on the team that can help us? And, you know, we can all work on it together.
2: Exactly. And, and for a little bit of clarity, my role there was office and culture manager. So, you know, doing everything from supplies, but also organizing retreats and uh, making sure everyone feels, and when they come to work, they have everything that they need to not only do the work, but feel comfortable. That has since changed because of COVID. uh, But, you know, that was the intent, the
1: role. I think that's one of my favorite job titles ever
2: it was created for me. And I loved that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like exactly like built around you. And I just, I think it's a fantastic fit for you. And I think that all of your experiences have led you to a a pretty exciting place. And I think you bring an interesting flair to the reseller community in general, Mm -hmm. and you have very much an entrepreneur spirit and you are my go-to guy for marketing sometimes. And just like, (laughs) Tips on how to do stuff because I feel like an old lady in this job sometimes. And Blake always, (laughs) you always just have, you know, you're on the pulse of what's going on, and you have really good instinct and style. So I appreciate that. And and I don't know who's paying you. Who's paying? Ah, (laughs) Oh gosh.
0: No, it's true. You bring a different flair to the reselling community, and I think it's like from day one, the first time that I heard Posh Boss Blake. I don't even remember where it was. It might've been Denali. I don't, I don't know. And um, from that moment, it was like, who is this person? He is hysterical. I love everything about his energy and everything that he's putting out there. Um, It's just who you are. You're just authentic to yourself and it shows. Mm
2: -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I think, I think something that I offer to people is my, willingness to be vulnerable and open and I share quite a bit I don't share everything obviously but I think for me if I'm honest about what I'm putting out there people are very receptive to that and um, regarding the honesty there's a lot of smoke smoke and mirrors in the reselling in any social media game whether it's reselling or like influencer for like beauty and fashion or makeup whatever but I think if you're honest you don't have to remember all the lies. So like, for me, I just need to be honest all the time, whether I look good, whether I look bad, whether I had a good day or a terrible day, you know?
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm all about being authentic and just your most true self at all times, because social media can get very intimidating at times. And you feel like you have to portray yourself a certain way. And YouTube can be the same way. Um, And I think a lot of that is because the people who really started YouTube back in the day when I was really watching it was the beauty YouTubers. And that has just evolved into something that um, I don't think they ever envisioned it to be what it is now. And it's just catty. I mean, I know you watch a lot of the beauty YouTubers too, Blake, and it's just, I feel like the reseller community mimics that a little bit on a different scale And uh, I try not to feed into that. I try to just be who I am. And I don't really care if I have a ton of followers. Like none of that really matters to me. Whoever likes my personality, the way that I, you know, give out information, then that's, what's going to follow
1: me. Yeah. No, I I agree. I think community has their own little cattiness. Cause I've, I've been really watching, um, a lot of planning stuff recently (laughs) and I hear certain people reference or, or talk about, I don't know, like the controversy between, being a practical planner or a decorative planner, like there are two thoughts and, you know, some people are like, why are you wasting your time? Like with markers, (laughs) I just laugh because I'm not a part of it. You know what I mean? So to me, it seems crazy, but I can see when you're in it and, you know, maybe someone has more clout than the other or following is growing faster or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I can see it just, this being a part of community.
2: You know what though, Lori, I think where that comes from, like is people okay this is a good and bad thing about the internet
1: mm-hmm.
2: people are gra- like people who put themselves out there to to say certain things offer an opinion and when the opinion is not aligned with the person who's viewing it's like well ugh, they're not doing it right and it's like no 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 there is no right there is no wrong unless it's like how to do CPR like um, you know it's right, not right. serious <laughs> stuff but like you know it's It's okay if you're doing it that way and I'm doing it this way. You don't need to knock me down just because I do it a different way. Right. But I think people get so hung up on their freaking ego Mm -hmm. that people are just like, oh, well, they do it that way. So, you know, they're wrong or, you know, shame on them because, you know, they store their inventory in poly bags and I don't because I'm saving the environment. It's like, (laughs) well, okay, there's reasons for both of those things. And I'm pro both of those things, but like, you know it just depends on circumstances and you know that's that's the thing with the internet it's never going to be one solid answer it's
0: true and social media definitely um plays a big role in all of that just all of us being on whatever tiktok instagram doesn't matter what platform it is and just scrolling through and then you you become biased to certain things there's just no way around it. it's the way social media was built
1: yep yep to keep sucking you in (laughs) it's also the beauty of it on the flip side because if I'm watching someone and I'm an environmentalist and they're talking about their poly bags as well since we can right. go with that example right I can just yeah off I don't have to hate I don't have to give my opinion I can just move on until I find a little tree hugger reseller right. and <laughs> home, you know what I mean like in, I, yeah I guess I just feel being a creator and you do put yourself out there and mm-hmm. I don't know if people think we're making millions on YouTube or what, but like we're, we're giving free content and people can kind of either choose to, you either connect with someone or you don't. I feel like I learned a long time ago, you're never going to please everybody. You, you know, and and if you do spend your life trying to please everybody, you will just be exhausted and still fail. So, you know, best off just kind of, Doing you and establishing where you're at, and um, you know, hopefully you have some open-minded people in your audience. And if you don't, I don't know. It's also kind of fun to have a block button. If you do have somebody who is right. you, crosses
0: the line, hundred
1: percent, you're done. Hundred percent, your time here is over.
0: Yeah, you are not allowed right. anymore. Goodbye.
2: <laughs> right, right. Thankfully, thankfully, I don't have to use the block button. Um,
1: no, not very often.
2: I like. I genuinely don't use the block button often um because I also I try to be the bigger person like if you want to block me fine but I am not going to be the person unless it is like heinously offensive but that has not happened yet so knock on wood (laughs)
0: that's good yeah so now you had this job right so how did you get into reselling right like this is how we all know you we know you from the reselling world so how did you get into right
2: so when uh I had so came to LA had a little like kind of it took me a while to find some stable income once I did I found my own apartment and it was the first time that I lived on my own and it was a small small studio smaller than what you know present day which is crazy to think about um but to be able to feel a little bit more comfortable with paying the LA rent all by myself I uh re-downloaded Poshmark because I had initially downloaded it in 2015 but I was like I can't figure this out I'm done with it and deleted it which is why on my app, it says, you know, member since 2015. But I was like, let me give this a shot. I had bought a pair of jeans from Nordstrom Rack, not retail arbitrage. I just, I bought them. They were cute. They were helmet laying. They were like four or $500 jeans. And I got them for like 29, 30 bucks. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to wear them. It's been six months. Let's list them, list them, sold them for like 80. And I was like, okay, okay. There's some profit to be had here. Mm -hmm. And then I I, was, I googled or YouTubed and I was like okay wait there's like there's people that are doing this and it was two years ago so I feel like there's been so much more momentum behind it that it was different than what it is today but it was um, there was someone and I always like to reference her her name is Miss Philly uh, she's from Canada I can't remember if she's in Toronto or something but she was a Canadian thrifter and she would sell on Facebook Marketplace. She would go to Val- Valley Village or Value Village,
0: um,
2: yeah, which the, in the U.S. is Savers. Mm-hmm. And um, no shocker, it's still overpriced. And
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and just see if I can get like a couple things. And you know, my first couple trips, maybe not the best purchases. Or I thought. I could go to TJ Maxx and Marshalls and just get all the red tag clearance. Well, oh, honey, honey, no, 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 no. <laughs> Retail arbitrage was not my friend, especially living in a major city like that. Yeah. Like, it is not, we don't get the low prices that people do in Arkansas, you know? Mm-hmm. Like,
1: that doesn't exist. And I, I didn't know tag clearance was a LA thing. Before it gets marked down too low, it's probably just going. Exactly, exactly.
2: Um, there's like a healthy shopping market, a lot of tourism, you know, it's always nice out, you shop outside, great. Uh, but I had learned from those mistakes, and then discovered the Goodwills, which was right around the corner from my apartment, and I was like, oh my god, that's crazy, I could have done this for a whole year. Uh, and then I just started to do it, and then I think I had seen something about Posh Fest that made me want to start YouTube or like talking about it online. Like, I can't remember the reason I started to do it or if it was because of a person. I was just like, let me put this out there. Um, I did. And then I was like, I'm gonna go to PoshFest. I didn't really know anyone. Um, And then I had met a couple people along the way and then PoshFest happened and my life kind of changed after PoshFest, not gonna lie. That was one of the best experiences as an adult that I've had so cheesy but genuinely was such a good people connection event and was totally what I needed in my life and then from there on I was like okay kids we are kicking it into high gear (laughs) I upped my YouTube channel my social media totally changed and people kind of noticed that immediately I remember there's this one guy, he was in the OC. He messaged me and was like, Your social media is like amped up. And I said, Yeah, I'm not messing around. Like, I learned a lot at Posh Fest. I spoke with the guy directly from YouTube. I am going to make this work. And it did. And I did really well. And, um, you know, going into 2020, because I went to Posh Fest in 2019, going into 2020 uh, with a whole like plan for YouTube and how I'm going to like grow audiences was good. Um, and the pandemic, I would say, like worked in my favor with my content because I was kind of losing my mind, but like also videotaping it. Mm-hmm. Um, and people liked it. I was singing around, I was dancing, and my channel was growing. But then, like the reselling aspect was, I was out shopping a lot, I was doing hauls, I was going to the bins. Um, and the, then the pandemic happened, and things kind of changed. Uh, I think, obviously, for everyone. Um, And then for my also just in tandem, my regular traditional job had furloughed me because of the pandemic. And I was furloughed for a month. And then I got brought back, yay, small business loan. So I worked for three more months. And then I got laid off. So within a four-month period, I had been furloughed, officially laid off. And then I have not been working a full-time job ever since that point. And, you know, it has been challenging Mm -hmm. and I hate to say this word because it's like the word of 2020 but um, I've had to learn to pivot and try new things and try not necessarily for money either maybe there is money in it but like the intention is not necessarily to like make millions I needed to just do something creative when you don't work and all you've done is work for you know since 2011 what are you supposed to do when you have an empty day of nothing going on Um, and I know for people that have watched my youtube or something they know that I was a heavy part-time reseller so they were like well maybe go full-time and I have never wanted to go full-time it's very hard to do in LA as a single person with no additional income in my household it I didn't have the space for it Um, there are people that do it I would say it is rare um, Mm -hmm. that you find the the single person in a m- major city living in a sizable apartment like it's i feel like it's hard um with the reselling game i feel like the money is where the volume's at and that doesn't necessarily happen in a major city because of cost like renting a warehouse space in LA is very different than renting
1: a warehouse space in i don't know a minnesota in the country <laughs> i mean LA is yeah. very expensive i mean you have LA you have San Francisco, New York City, Boston. Right,
2: Where right. Else?
1: And the thought of the thought of
2: going full time, knowing what I would have to make in one week right. to be able to live the way I'm living, and I'm not living fancy, but I do have a, a cost of living.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It was it was like astronomical. I think what I would need to make in one week is what some people genuinely only need to make in one month. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like substantial like almost at more than $10,000 because you have to remember cost of goods, taxes, uh, fuel, like all these things that would come up. I need to profit wise make a certain amount and I would have to make so much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Would you say that the sourcing in LA is similar to the prices in the East Coast or even higher?
2: Um, so I've only ever thrifted, on the East Coast in New York City for a hot moment. Anytime I've been back to New York, it's only usually for Christmas or for like a wedding or something, so I don't really have time. Um, But on one of my more recent trips back to New York, I had gone to New York City's Goodwill in Manhattan and where I could get a pair of denim for $7.99 in LA. The starting bottom bin price for a pair of denim regardless of the brand was 1999 and I was
1: like oh oh my god now they're I know what
2: my friends in
1: Manhattan they're great I mean yeah. they have a ton of inventory but they just know their fashion there and it's just yeah. all marked up so like you are going to find helmet laying you're going to find Louboutins so you're going to find a lot they just know right. that it's, it's right. always marked up I mean their Salvation yeah. Army wasn't as bad, but every, I would go in with such high hopes every time Jay would be in New York and we would shop, and um, yeah, always astronomical prices. Always, I, I, mean, well, you I still I find think, deals. You still find them, but it's yeah. Too well, I think, I
2: mean. Right, I think to to your point, Laurie. too, New York does know fashion; it is like the center of fashion, and there's also several very well known businesses that cater to. Discount designer, i.e., yeah. Century Twenty One, not the security company. Right. The meg, the mega famous. Uh, I think people call it now C Twenty One stores. I think is what it's technically called. Um, if you're a Sex and the City lover, you know Samantha and Carrie shops here. It's where you could get designer on a budget. It is like it is like a department store of only designer, but deeply discounted. So it could be a previous season. It could be whatever. But you could go in and get like a Versace t-shirt for, I don't know, $75, $8,525
1: yeah, instead of 400 a- Or you're speaking of, I want to get to know it.
0: <laughs> I think they're closing <laughs> most of their stores in New York though.
1: They are, they're
2: going out of business because no one's shopping anymore. Um, but they've been, they've been going, what have they been doing? Like 80, they've, 60%, 65, every single day they've been dropping the discount amount more and more. And I think they're going to 95 Wow. So if you have a road Century trip, if it's yeah.
0: still
2: open, Laurie, where like, we going? <laughs> get, go get some stuff.
1: Like one of the things right. I also think that you should mention is being a resident of LA and people encouraging you to maybe go full time or just get heavy into drifting. You guys have been in lockdown and I'm not sure that all of our listeners yeah. will be aware of that. I mean, you didn't really even have the option to shop. I mean, you could do online, but, um, in- right. It, it has not really been an option for you. Did you
0: guys open at all? Or you open slightly, right?
1: So we're,
2: like, present day, we're, it's like, present day, it's, like, hard to figure out what is actually current mm-hmm. information. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to reference the the initial lockdown, like, March, April, May, when this all happens, because that was a very scary time. I felt like, People in major cities, particularly L.A., New York, were living a very, very different experience than a lot of the rest of this country. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, L.A. was, like, locked down. You could not, they were like, do not leave your house unless you're going for a walk. Wear your mask. Or you are going to the grocery store. We have to count how many people go in, so you're going to make a line. They had to dedicate early hours on certain days for the older clientele to go in so that they did not feel rushed or pressured by the crowds that would show up you know, for opening time at like 9 or 10 a.m., there'd be 150 people in line waiting to go to the grocery store on a, on a Monday, on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing was open. S- small businesses were like, the amount of businesses going out in LA is sad. Um, especially like community kind of places. People can't, you can't, uh, when you have no business or take out only aspects, to your business that's probably less than a quarter of what you need to like pay the rent yet alone staff it's like it's like a whole thing but um with reselling things were closed you couldn't you couldn't go to a thrift store for a while i think i got the courage to go thrift again in june so i didn't thrift for like months i did explore some inventory with uh some wholesale companies um but also the challenge with that for me was i lived in a or lived in excuse me in a studio so there is limited space and um yeah I couldn't get a pallet delivered I'm sure people could say like you you could but like I I don't have a driveway I have a parking garage that's subterranean and uh the truck that comes is an 18-wheeler that will just load it onto the ground right
0: You have to at that point, look at a warehouse for the pallet and now you're accruing extra expenses, and then is it even worth right.
1: is that even anything right. that you we're interested in doing you know if you had the space what do you think that would be your jam
2: i don't I don't know like initially, no, I don't want to do that It's a lot of work, and from the people I know, like for example, Denali, mm-hmm. um I know she's dealing with the pallets, and she's really she the pandemic kind of like gave her that push to really go full force with the pallets. he's in the zone the, the, pa- the you make money with the pallets, but it's once you start getting them it becomes a volume game and you know you can really do well financially um but like I, I think something people don't realize pallets are expensive you're not paying hundreds of dollars you're paying hundreds of dollars for the lift gate which if you don't know what that is i will i will invite you to google what that means um, but like, pallets can be as little as I don't know, maybe like 1500. That's right. like very cheap. Or they could go up to $10, 20 30,000, you could get a shipping container worth of stuff. Um, and the more you buy, the cheaper it is. So mm-hmm. um, for someone like me, who to really see any kind of financial success to go full time, I need to get like 1000s of pieces a month. And I could barely fit a hundred in my closet, right? So, um, that was not something I wanted to look for.
1: So what are some of the things that you have done? You mentioned pivoting in 2020. So I know some of your business adventures, but why don't you, um, share what you have done to kind of be creative and keep things afloat and even propel forward.
2: Yeah. So I have, uh, well, Seasonally, because we are entering the holidays, I created a limited edition Christmas sweater design, ugly Christmas sweater design for the reseller community. Oh, it's this cute um, print. It is not available anymore. It won't be delivered for the holidays, so it's, you know kind of past its point. That's why it's not available anymore. But it uh, said same ship, different day, which is <laughs> a funny it. take on a on a, <laughs> a more sassier inappropriate I won't say it on here you know we want you to get those sponsorships um it's a funny phrase but same ship different day you know if you're an adult I'm sure you can put that together but it also had like fun little emblems of like little recycling emblems and little boxes little hangers just like an ode to you know basically what our lives are you know same ship different day we're shipping another package another sweater another pair of shoes but we're reusing our package and get like all these things into one little cute little design and it was available people bought it uh, uh there were coats there were long sleeve shirts Lori got a c- beautiful color hoodie it was like maroon wine color
0: i like um, i was ripping they- you off
1: though because i got posh boss posh boss is that all it says oh that's right that's right um so
2: well, i have perfect to
1: that was the color I wanted. And I, couldn't. that's like a Lori color. I love it. I love it so much, but I feel like a fraud. I feel like I'm wearing, um, you know, posh, uh, Blake's like, I feel like it belongs to Blake, but I don't care. I still love it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well (laughs) part of, part of my,
2: like my holiday design was, Oh, I'm going to like, see how this does. And if, people buy it like I'll expand into other designs um and so when I launched my website poshbossblake.com uh and you can find me everywhere poshbossblake it's very simple Mm -hmm. um I put out some other designs like the sweatshirt Lori was wearing that says posh boss and a couple other designs and I really tried to just get creative I am a creative person that um hasn't had the ability or reason really to create and so I was like you know what I'm gonna give myself that reason and I'm gonna create some merch and we'll see how it runs and the holiday sputter designed it really well I'm very happy with that that's good uh, and so you know we'll we'll transition into other things I did I did expand into pop sockets on Amazon merch so if you just look for Posh Boss. What are we? He's like a marketing. A posh boss Blake. Everywhere.
0: marketing. I love it. Yeah, I love yeah. That. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. they're fun. They're fun design. You can actually get, if you've seen Lori's um, video where she's wearing that sweatshirt, mm-hmm. you can get that pop socket on Amazon. So just, you can go to Amazon and type in Posh Boss Blake and look for the newest product when you sort, and they'll, all the pop sockets will show up. But
0: um, That's awesome. There's a bunch. You, there's, had, um, you had thank you cards too at one time, correct?
2: I did. Uh, I did downloadables on Etsy, which, for those that don't know, a downloadable is something that someone creates. They create a file, and that file lives on Etsy. You can see it, but you can't physically touch it until you purchase it and you print it at home. The point of a downloadable is so that the person selling it doesn't have to take on. Inventory, the cost of inventory, the space to hold that inventory. So um, that was good, but didn't, that was not successful. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll admit that. Some people did buy it, but um, thank got- you cards are weird. Thank you cards are a weird market
0: it is because there's so many different options and some people opt to do handwritten notes and some people opt to do like the small business cards you can get at a pharmacy like you can have them in the photo department like there's all different ways of doing it and they it's a tough it's definitely a tough niche
2: yeah and like for for the I initially wanted to print my own and sell like a bundle of like 50 100 etc in all the different colorways but once you start to explore these ideas, you know, however you want to pursue your your idea, uh, I realized there's like I would have to buy like ten thousand note cards to make it to make like a few dollars on one sale. So I was like, this right. is not, and so that's how I ended up on the downloadable thing.
0: Yeah, I, I thought about it too for a little bit a few months ago, but it's just it, it's not cost effective it is not cost-effective no. unless it's like to local people then it's cost-effective because you can hand deliver or you know the shipping it is not that expensive but it is um it is an expense unless you're just designing if you're just designing the thank you card and then they can do whatever they want with it then that's one thing
1: right. which is what did right. with etsy you did yeah. exactly and and that's, then, yeah, yeah. that's what i did and they were great designs mm-hmm. thank you i i like
2: them i just i think With my designs that I put out, whether it's the thank you cards or my merch or the pop sockets, I just, I feel like, um, and I don't want to be offensive to anyone, but I feel like the reseller world can kind of often skew uh, more feminine, which I embrace my feminine side, you both know that but I feel like sometimes I just want something that's a little bit more simple I don't want flowers on everything love a good flower but I don't want hearts on everything so I don't mind color we could do pinks. we could do purples let's do it but I just want something simple like simple clean text you know Mm -hmm. let's play with size let's play with angles I don't need um I don't need like little pictures or anything like let the text and the colors speak for itself
1: There's plenty of that out there. And I think that your designs are very gender neutral and yeah. they're gender inclusive. I mean, I don't, I think there's something for everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. And if
1: you wanted to like flex the whole posh thing, like with the maroon color, like the sweatshirt that I bought, uh, you had yeah. those note cards. I think you had pride colors. You had, um, yep. Yeah. I, I, I thought the design was cool. And and that's something I, Blake knows, I feel this way. Like, I just think he, I do think his designs are very simple and classic and clean, you know, they're all a little yeah. minimalist at times, um, but then fun with color. So yeah, I think yeah. a nice knack for it.
2: Yeah. I like minimalism in my life is like very much important. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, uh, there was something, um, uh, someone had said to me, and I, it was Denali, and she said, uh, When you have a lot of stuff, or you, when you have a lot of things that can give you anxiety, mm-hmm. and that was like kind of like a way to sum up how I've always lived. Like, I don't have a lot of things because it stresses me out. And mm-hmm. that's evident. Like, when people move, they have to clean their whole house out because it's got knickknacks for the past 10 years, or, um, you know even people's cars people hoard stuff in their cars and it's like if you have less things there's less worry it's you know you save time and so that translates into my designs because I don't know it's just who I am
0: yeah and it's like
2: quick and to the point yeah over the
0: years I've definitely become more of a minimalist with a lot of different aspects I mean I still hoard a few things here and there but um I definitely was one of those people that would throw things in their car and then leave it for a year and just, it would just stay there. And now I'm the complete opposite. And my, the trunk of my car might have some stuff in it, but like the back seat is clear. My front seat is cleared. You know, I try my best to minimize the amount of stuff that's in there. My closet works the same way. And that's been a progression over time where I yeah. don't keep a ton of stuff in my closet every three months. I basically rotate my entire wardrobe and I sell it off and then I buy new stuff um Smart. Uh, well thrifted stuff. so I try to be a minimalist as much as I can but and but here's the thing like when it comes to designing I like both I like minimalism but I also like fancy I like them both and it's hard to find a balance between them both because then it becomes busy and it and it doesn't translate correctly yeah That's where I
2: struggle. Is, it's so funny that you say that though because I feel like um with fashion minimalism can be so expensive like Mm -hmm. it looks like why am I spending $400 on a t-shirt but Mm -hmm. like the way it's constructed and the stitching and like the angles you know it's actually oh wow there's a lot of work behind that or something but then like when I see a jacket that is you know 100% buttons because it's some crazy outlandish design and then that's $1,800 I'm like who would buy that I I have so much anxiety and like I just have questions like, mm-hmm. why? Why would you want the button jacket? Yeah. Now I'm now I should create a button jacket and charge eighteen hundred dollars. Right? <laughs> I'm a designer.
0: <laughs> so true. You could totally do it. I'm a minimalist
1: <laughs> wannabe, and like so far from ever being a minimalist. I appreciate it. My husband's a total minimalist. Jay wants for nothing. He's never even used the term. He just doesn't like stuff. He spends his money on experiences he doesn't understand even design stuff he's just not like give him a book and let him walk around the block like he's just like so low maintenance and I don't know he's a good husband for me I get all this stuff
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I can I can feel it too
1: (laughs)
2: yeah love investing in the experiences because at the end of the day things are things And you can replace the things.
0: Mm -hmm. Things can be taken from you in a heartbeat. And I learned that in a very difficult way. And I'll share this story. I've never shared it on here before. But when Matt and I first moved into our first home, um, this was probably like six months after we got married, our house got broken into. Um, and all of my jewelry was taken things that my grandmother given to, gave to me things my grandfather, who had passed many, many years ago, gave to me um, my mom and dad's uh, my mom 's first like promise ring for my dad, like all of that stuff gone i don 't have any of it um, they didn 't take the ipads or the or the macbook um, and they took all of matt 's watches that he uh, he was collecting them over time and took all of those. And it's like that experience just opened my eyes. Like literally anyone could take anything, at any point in time and I can be left with nothing. Um, so I'm very particular right. about what I keep and how I keep things and not getting too attached to things like I did before. Um, just because it's material and the experiences and the memories that I have with the family and all of that is more important to me, obviously, than, than all of those things combined. So thankfully, none of us were home. We were both safe, you know, and all of that. So that definitely put um, material items into perspective for me.
2: Yeah, that is so scary. Oh,
0: it was the worst experience ever. And not like not feeling safe, sleeping in your own home. I mean, all of that. It was just, it was a wild experience, but I don't have any of those things anymore. And yes, it makes me very sad because some of them held sentimental value, especially now that my dad is, has passed and that ring, my mom wanted back actually after he passed and she wanted it to put on a necklace and I didn't have it because it got stolen. And yeah, and it, it was awful, but you know, um, you learn how to cope with it as silly as that sounds because it is materialistic but it it held a special place in her heart and in my heart and we don't have it but you you learn and um the memory of it is still there like that will never go away
2: right right it's important I think because I've moved a lot in my life it's important to remember that yes the thing has the sentimental value I get that and I would be very upset I, I totally feel your pain but you know you still have those memories, cherish those memories. Um, and if, this sounds so silly, but I tell people, especially my girlfriends, because that's mostly my friend base. Um, I tell my girlfriends, if you get an expensive piece of jewelry or something's handed down, this sounds so silly, take an artistic photo of it, have it photographed and save that frame that picture. Because if that ring gets stolen, mm-hmm. you're going to have this gorgeous photo mm-hmm. of the thing that once was. And although the memory, the tangible memory won't right. be there with you, that ring will not be in your hand. You will still be able to look and be like, damn, that was a
1: gorgeous ring. You know,
0: that's a really great idea.
1: We used to teach that. Um, Cause I was a creative memories consultant for 10 years, just a direct sales scrapbooking company. And, um, oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> So cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's yes. such a specific job. <laughs> it really is. Um, You know, I went to like one of those parties when Anthony was an infant. We had just moved home from California. And of course, I wanted to document every move he made. And um, I was home. And the only way we qualified for our mortgage in Waltham at that house was with my teaching salary from California. And then we moved home six weeks before Anthony was born. And I had this baby and I was like, um, actually, I don't want to go back to work, Jay. <laughs> So he was like, "Um." (laughs) so then I substitute taught a little bit when Anthony was first born and Jay got a job that we were able to just kind of scrape by and be able to have me stay home. We went down to one car. I drove him to work, all that fun stuff. But so I started selling scrapbooks so I could get the inventory because I couldn't afford it. Um, But one of the things we day to like at the classes that I would teach and people would gather, they'd bring photos, we would do like layouts and whatnot. Um, But sometimes people like their books would get cluttery, but this, it's just a long way of saying what you said, Blake, like a lot of the times when moms wouldn't want to part with like artwork that their kids did, we would just say, well, you could do an album and you can condense that huge, you know, tote of all these pictures Um, or things or whatever your child did and then take photographs of them and then just document them in an album and it will just condense that clutter and then you'll still be able to reflect and remember because you'll have a photograph of it so I'm I'm a huge picture person (laughs) Jay always says when we're somewhere he's like "Hun, I think we have adequately captured the moment (laughs) (laughs) put the damn camera away we got this we got this I love that I love
0: that that's That's a great great idea
1: yeah yeah very
2: very good idea
0: so Blake uh we know you have a YouTube channel but you also recently started a brand new one so why don't we talk about that
2: (laughs) yeah so uh I feel like this conversation is actually a great representation of how I feel it was necessary for me to have a second channel Yeah. I like I think people found me because of reselling and you know passion for it great it's a it's it's fun, but it is not the only thing I do. And I've got a very colorful path that I like to talk about. And, you know, I'm I'm much more than just reselling. I have a lot to offer. And um, I wanted to showcase that. And I'm going to keep my main channel, Posh Boss Blake, to be the reselling content, but I'm going to throw all my lifestyle, all my unboxings and things of that nature. Unboxings when it comes to like snacks, lifestyle products, et cetera on the second channel called Blake does things and what is Blake going to do he's going to do things like it. I don't know vlog, talk about vitamins no that's a lie um <laughs> talk about Weight Watchers or talk about um a snack box that I just did actually so yeah Blake does things and he'll do a lot of things
0: <laughs> I think people forget that we're more than just resellers sometimes because we've put ourselves in put ourselves in these niche little market, right? This is like it's very specific. It's I mean, we all do the same thing, right? As a side hustle or a full-time yeah. job, however you do it. But there's so much more to each and every one of us. Like I am not just reselling. Like there are so many other things that make up Daniela that no one really knows about unless you know me personally. Um, and sometimes I I think it's good to just show the world like, hey, yes, I do this, but I also do these other really cool things that you should watch and follow as well. <laughs>
2: Exactly. And I it can sometimes be disheartening, particularly with YouTube.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so for, for anyone out there, I know obviously you both, but for anyone out there that might be a creator as well, when you open YouTube Studio, you are forced to look at if you did good or bad. It, mm-hmm. It's just, did you do good or did you do bad? Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of us this particular year, there has been some downs because people are watching differently. People initially in quarantine definitely I think definitely watch a ton um I think towards the end of the year in fall when kids went back to school things changed a little bit but it's it can sometimes be disheartening when you put something out there or you share something personal and then it doesn't get watched or you know it's not about reselling and it's like okay well I know they want that but like I am a person I have more to say and you know what I guess I just I need to I need to pivot (laughs) Hate I honestly, hate, I hate, I hate that word. You know why? Because it is the word of 2020. And when the word organic became a thing years ago, like, yeah. oh yeah, I really want this to have an organic feel. When they are not talking about vegetables, yeah. that bothered me. It still bothers me. Yeah. But like pivot is now that word. It's like we are not playing basketball. We are not, you know, like in an episode of
0: Friends. we're not in an episode of Friends. We're not Ross Geller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's all that comes to my head whenever I never hear pivot I just hear him yelling it yeah. going up the stairs oh my, <laughs> oh my god
2: it's nuts it's nuts but yeah I think it's I think it's important to pivot and you know I, I think it's it, when you can recognize you know what people might not want to watch that but let me try it somewhere else maybe they'll want to watch it there and guess what they do so I'll the please of the both day,
1: you need to be creating what brings you joy otherwise it's really going to start feeling like work so yeah. you know to branch out, and and you've always known Blake that you wanted to be multifaceted and not just be a reseller, and not, not to knock anybody who is. It's it, I, I don't say that in a derogatory way. Right, right. Reseller, um, right, right, yeah, like some people, yeah. you just want more for your channel, and I'm I'm struggling with it right now. Would you recommend? Do do you enjoy having the second channel? Do you think you could have made it work on one channel? This is the Lori question of every episode. I'm I'm just curious. I'm struggling with that thought. Yeah, so you and I have talked about this um, mm-hmm. separately a bunch. I
2: think it would be wise to have a second channel. Um, and I think this, okay, let me tell you why I started, like more about why I started. And I think it will give perspective as to my, maybe why you might want to do it. Mm-hmm. I felt like- um, I had to create content out of nothing. Like if I didn't have anything to say, like let me try to figure out how to really stretch something so I can at least talk about reselling, but like there's not much going on in the reselling world, especially being part-time. Like I just sometimes I don't have a lot uh, to say or there's long stretches of time that I don't have inventory. So I don't have hauls, I don't have you know, all these types of videos that people are looking for. So I was like, you know what, I don't, I don't want to talk about this. I want to talk about what's going on in my life and it's not reselling right now. So let me put that on another channel where I don't have to feel guilty about it. Mm. Um, and that's, that's been great. And you know what, I've, I've been okay with not having so much content on the reselling channel. Um, and, and that's okay. And I've become okay with that.
1: That's good. And yeah. I mean, you're doing, you're doing what makes you happy. So that's great. It, it is discouraging when you, 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 do branch out. I think that's why I'm enjoying this week. I'm, I've been doing um, like happy holidays. So I, I am, I am doing a haul every day, but it's different and it will, it will change. Um, it, it's not a traditional haul every day, but I've taken it as an opportunity to branch out a little bit and see how people respond to it. Like yesterday, right. I did a luxury bag, like purging my own, although people made fun of me because I said I'm purging anything. I think I ended up keeping like 10. 10- Most of it. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> bags. I thought that was a lot. My friend from home just razzed me in a text message while we were here. She's like, oh, I think I'm going to keep this one. She's like, good purge." I was laughing
0: at you the whole time, but it was too late to text. She was like, Lori, really? Like,
1: <laughs> I know, but I, did, I, I, got, I, I just did said so. I'm not a minimalist. And that was a lot for me to get. And I was a lot of them, I was sentimentally attached to, but anyways, it was, it was fun to just talk about something different. It was still resale to some extent, but um, just a little bit different and people really responded to it. And, you know, whatever, whatever I do tomorrow, people may not respond to, but I think it's interesting to just um, branch out a little bit and see. And I feel like Vlogmas has been an opportunity for me to do that because I'm doing something every day. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, at the end of the oh, wait, day, can you mold it? your channel, right? However you want. So you may start off right away and then you can slowly start to mold it into a different way and still incorporate portions of what you used to do. And then because you mm-hmm. have such a following now on your channel, Lori, so it's like you have to start all over again if you do, if you do another channel. We've talked about that and that's yeah. fine. You could totally do that.
1: Yeah. I think people are successful both ways. I mean, I know Daniela and I are in like a YouTube little chat with people and people are very opinionated on which way it should be done. And I'm like, and it kind of gets back to what we were talking about earlier. Like um, people are going to do it different ways. People oh, yeah. can keep one channel and make it right. all over the place, lifestyle, whatever. I do think I, I'm more established as a niche channel in reselling. Mm-hmm. And I always say that YouTube punishes me when I when I don't do something that's reseller related. And that's fine. It yes. does have to be that way. But, but anyways, Blake, uh, you're going to start saying something. Yes. Okay, so
2: off that exact point, YouTube does ding you for not having consistent content on a specific topic. Mm -hmm. For example, I did some um, videos that were totally, completely not reseller related. One of those videos got 11,000 views. It was about makeup. Um, And then I did some gift guides, things like that. The ads that got taken off of my videos because the content was different changed uh I don't I barely make any money on YouTube but the money that was trending on 11,000 views of a video completely changed for non-reselling content for reselling content 11,000 I've never had a video get that many but I that could probably be over a hundred dollars for one video Mm
0: -hmm.
2: but it ended up being four four dollars on 11,000 views
0: that's um, I remember when that happened and you and you talked about it that's just it's, yeah
2: it's but to to your point Lori it's it, it, YouTube does notice that so I think having something on another channel where it could be more lifestyle based or whatever kind of um, direction you potentially take your second channel right it won't ding you and you can keep your CPM and your RPM at the at the
1: levels that are yeah cuz I feel like I'm a in a content rhythm right now you know um yeah yeah i i don't know i i feel like a lot of the people who have niche channels who i who i follow do start that second channel and and do they they kind of go from there i do think it's hard to start a lifestyle channel from scratch so to speak um because if yeah. you're all over the place you know maybe you'll gain I don't. I don't know how that would work. I, I've never. I've never tried. But I feel like if you have a little bit of a following, and then you go over to a second channel, maybe you'll pull some of those people. In the beginning, yep. at least, and so you might have a little bit of a boost. Somebody who I've been following for a very long time. Um, her name is Catherine Manning, and she is mm-hmm. a. She she talks about growing your YouTube channel, and she just started a vlog channel. And but she she breaks down all the analytics, and she compares like the growth of the new channel. Um, and she's trying to see how quickly the vlog style channel is growing versus like her niche in YouTube Develop. She's at like 285,000 wow. subscribers right now on her YouTube, on her main channel. And now she's doing a vlog channel. and And I find myself, I'm not as interested in her vlog as I am in her main content. And I started watching the vlog a little bit, but like, it's just... Like what she does on a day-to-day basis, she's a lovely person, but I'm just not like as interested. But when she talks about numbers and YouTubes, I'm fascinated by what she has to teach me. But just the opposite has happened with other people. Um, I can't think of the woman who I watch all the time, but she has a vlog channel and I find myself enjoying her vlog channel more than her main channel. So it really just depends. And then some people have it all in one. Like the person you told me about yesterday, Daniela, who is like a you know, fashion,
0: influencer life. of some sort,
1: like those beautiful people living beautiful lives in Britain.
0: Yeah, um, they're all from Britain, <laughs> for whatever reason.
1: <laughs> it is interesting. We, don't, we don't have to talk too much more about it. But I'm I was curious to hear your take on it, Blake. And I know we've talked about it before. But um, yeah. I think the question a lot of people have, you know, content creators and which direction to go in, and there are pros and cons to both. I mean, it's much easier to run one channel, you know, right? I uh, think yeah. at the
0: end of the day, you just need to do whatever it is that's going to make you happy, whatever you're going to feel the most creative in, whatever. you know. it's a phrase that's used all the time, but whatever is going to bring you the most joy within whatever it is that you're producing and putting out there. Um, Cause yep. we all get kind of get hung up in what everyone else is doing, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what everyone else is doing. What yeah,
1: is- yeah. I'm not caught up in it. I'm just, I'm just kind of like checking out the scenery. Yeah,
0: yeah No, of course. But I think for anyone in general, Open. I get caught up in it sometimes. Like you sit there and you think, and you think, and you think, and then you realize like it really doesn't matter. Like just do what you want to do.
1: Right. Well, yeah. one of the pressures yeah. I put on myself was like the Wednesday, Sunday videos. And the mm-hmm. only person putting pressure on me was me. Right. Yes. People kind of knew that that was my schedule, but you know, alarms didn't go off. If I did. Right.
0: Right. Lori didn't upload.
1: <laughs> if I, if i uploaded on Thursday morning, we were all okay. And now that's been so liberating for me to just say, I do two videos a week and oh my God, it's been life-changing for me. Mm-hmm. Not this week, this week,
0: <laughs> this insane. week is not life-changing. But, uh,
1: <laughs> but, but Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but typically that, that works out nicely. Yeah. Go Thank you for really found
0: yourself, Blake, over the last year and i think that's become very evident even in just this conversation that we're having um, you've just really found your groove and you're continuing to find it and you're growing in different ways that i don't think you probably expected to so quickly um, and i think I, I
2: sure i sure did not
0: yeah <laughs> yeah
2: um actually if if i can quickly elaborate i know we're probably kind of winding down here but um i definitely to kind of touch back on what we started talking about initially when I was working in corporate America. Um, my journey of life has really initially started with what you should do based on circumstances that I think everyone can kind of relate to. Um, but then as time went on, I never thought of myself as a creative mind. Right. But the more that time went on and the more I would do these these traditional Um, desk jobs, the more I realized that my mind does not, it does not function that way. And I thrive when I get to be creative and make presentations or be the voice of something or present. And I think with the pandemic and being able to really spend a lot more time on my social media and putting my face out there on my YouTube, it's been great to to put myself out there in that way um i'm not making movies on my youtube videos or anything but you know it does let me flex the creative muscle and then you know with some little adventures and things like with my merch and um just different projects that are coming i think it's been it's been nice to like allow myself to to not feel so pressured to quote unquote do what's right hmm which I think all resellers can relate to because there's no one right way to do this. There are right. so many different ways to be. Look at the three of us, right? Yeah. yeah. Danielle, you're full-time. I'm full-time. Lori, you're, you're full-time, right?
1: Reseller, yes. Yeah, yeah. I feel like lately um, I've but, been a full-time YouTuber and a part-time reseller, but that's a different conversation for the day. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, but like we all, have different. different- <laughs>
1: Right.
2: (laughs) We all have, you know, different different circumstances and different Mm -hmm. other other halves of of the reselling world. I think that's what's so interesting
1: about this community is we have people from so many different backgrounds making it work and and to our audience, like, you know, whether you're listening to the podcast or you're watching Blake's first channel, second channel, following him on Instagram, following Daniela on Instagram, her YouTube channel. Like, we all have our people. Like, I think a lot of, we have some cross people who will, you know, yeah. watch all of us. But then you have your ride or dies, the people who have been with you since you started your content. Mm-hmm. And and it's, re- it's, it's nice. And we kind of all ha- build our own separate communities within this big community that we're a part of.
0: I agree. And just what yep. you were saying, Blake, like, it, that... It it speaks to my soul because I am the same way. Like, yes, I have this full-time job where I have these different tasks that I have to do and we're helping the community and the the citizens within our state and, you know, and all these different things. But then there's a side of me that's extremely creative that enjoys um, being her own boss and doing all these different projects. And I've always been like that. And to have an outlet like I do now that I never anticipated having uh, between the podcast yeah. and YouTube and, and just the reselling business on its own and Instagram, it's just um, it just feels good. It feels good to have the ability to do that.
2: hmm Agreed. Agreed.
0: Yeah.
2: And it's it's there for us no matter what what time of day. Um that can be and end. I think people need to remember that. Make make if you're you know reselling, you're thinking about reselling in particular, make that work for you. Don't work for it. It is the one very very few jobs where you have that luxury to do it when you have the time and when you can put time into it right whether that's 2 p.m or 2 a.m you know it's always there so don't stress out trying to make it work in certain time frames make it work for you that's the whole point especially if you're doing this as a side hustle make it work for you I think that's key
1: I think those are amazing parting words because I agree yeah that that's what it's here for that that's the flexibility we all love about this yes absolutely 100 yeah, percent.
0: thank you so much Blake for coming on this is a really great conversation this was awesome it really
2: is I'm sure I'm we could probably talk for like five more hours <laughs>
0: <laughs> we literally could <laughs> every time we do this podcast we say that we're like we could just keep going and just go, you know, but
1: I definitely learned more about you today, though. Absolutely. It's it's nice to see your journey and um, that you've lived in different places and the experiences you've had have been so exciting to hear and where you're going. Mm -hmm. I can't wait for that, too.
2: Me too. I'm so excited.
1: Well, thank you so much for being part of our podcast. We love you.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Love you both. Fabulous
0: ladies. <laughs> all of Blake's information will be in the show notes. We'll make sure we link everything that we can so you can go follow him on his two YouTube channels, on his Instagram, all of that fun stuff. Blake, thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye everyone. Goodbye.